for me, last year during the quarantine, I did some serious reflection on my personal and my professional life. And so I decided that the MBA was the best next step. I also had like a growing track, professional track. It, everything was fine. I enjoyed my job. I really enjoyed the company I was working at, but I felt the need to accelerate things and also to recorrect course. In two to five years, I, I want to work in the US for a bit. I want to get some foreign experience. For me, that's, that was, that's the initial purpose of me coming to do the MBA. I wanted to get that foreign perspective to, to work. And then after that time frame, I think I would um, want to return to, to Nigeria to, you know, kind of take the learnings I have been able to get from the US to help better the work culture of my country. Welcome to this roundtable episode of McDonough Talks. Today, Sam and I will be joined by Chooks Igabari and Sophia Esterman, and we will explore the international student experience in business school. Chooks is a second year MBA candidate at the McDonough School of Business here at Georgetown. He's an international student from Nigeria, and he spent his summer with Google in product operations. Prior to joining McDonough, Chooks worked in the strategy role for an Africa-focused integrated digital payments and commerce company. Sophia is a first-year MBA candidate here at McDonough as well. She's a Forte Fellow and she hails from Brazil. Prior to pursuing her MBA at Georgetown, she worked for a major retail company in Latin America. And as always with this roundtable, we have our co-host Sam Speed with us and let's turn to Sam first. And Sam, how's it going? It's going well. Good morning, Mike. Lovely to see you again. Yes, as always. And like we said, this will kind of be an international student subject matter. And you're from Britain. And just want to throw it to you first uh, about what your experience has been like as an international student here in the States. Yeah, I, just over a year since, well, about a year and a half, actually, since I embarked on the, on the visa process for trying to get over here. That was all, you know, I think I've spoken previously on the podcast about how kind of admin heavy that process was which I think both of our guests can probably speak to as well. But yeah, for me, it was all about getting the paperwork together, spending about six months getting all the paperwork together, hyping myself up for what I thought was going to be a very intense interview at the embassy. But really, the hardest part was just getting all my ducks in a row and, and getting all the, you know, getting all the approvals and getting all the stamps, got to the embassy with my suit on. And it was a 40 second interview and they stamped me and I was in. It was, yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was kind of interesting. But yeah, and since being here, you know, it's it's been great. The Americans love a Brit, um, so you kind of kind of lived a, a bit of a charmed existence here. But yeah, it's been great. Now, did that interview take place in the UK or in the States? Yeah, in the in the UK embassy in Vauxhall, which is about um, a fifteen minute walk from my house. Luckily, so, nice. Yeah, got all suited and booted. Was ready to be in there for like an hour. It's very intimidating in there. Let's go through like eight metal detectors. Uh, over a moat it's crazy um uh yeah i went in and yeah it was like it was like 40 seconds and uh stamped it and i was i was good to go and aren't there two different kinds of visas an f1 or j1 what are the differences between those um it's 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 so complicated mike i'm sure maybe chokes or sophia will, will, will maybe have more insight on it than, than i do all i know is that i think j1 is if potentially you're staying for longer than just a one or two year program. For example, if you're doing a PhD and you're working throughout your degree or you're getting paid to do your degree, I think maybe is what a J1 is for. But again, anyone listening to this should 
very much talk to the international student office at Georgetown or uh, whatever institution you're at to seek advice because I'm not uh, by, by any means an expert on this. Well, we'll start with Chooks. Chooks is a second year with me and Sam. And so we were all virtual last year and you were at home in Nigeria and Lagos, right? And just talk about like what that was like. How did you feel being so far away, but still in class over Zoom with everybody that was, you know, predominantly in the States? Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Like I'm starting the program. I was in Lagos and Lagos is six hours ahead of the U.S., so having to deal with that time zone challenge was the, a major bit of an issue for me. Um, we used to have classes around 8 a.m. American time, which was around 2 p.m. Nigerian time. So having to deal with that, I mean, that was that was still bearable. But then um, thinking of re- recruiting season where you have to have coffee chats with people, and, and that typically happens around evening time in the U.S. That was like midnight in Nigeria. So having to deal with waking up around 1 a.m. to have coffee chats with people, having to participate in recruiting activities at late hours was a bit of a challenge. But I think for me, it was just the um, desire to, you know, persist, to keep on trying, to ensure that I put in my best work and put in the effort to, you know, make the best of this whole experience. And for me, that was what saw me through. Uh, thankfully, I was able to, the embassies in Nigeria were opened um, towards December of last year, and I was able to apply for a visa, and then I got a visa, and then I arrived in the U.S. in, in January. Okay, so you were only virtual for the first semester. Yes, for, for the for the fall semester I was virtual, but then I, I, yeah. I came here for the spring semester. What what kept you motivated through that? Because the first semester I think is the tough has been the toughest for me so far. Like, what kept you motivated during that time where you were, you know, essentially on an island for lack of a better term? <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, for me, I think my motivation just stemmed from the fact that. I knew that. I mean, I was thinking of the end. So when I started this journey, I I, I knew that. I wanted to go through this two years and hopefully have a good story to tell when I was done. So for me, that particular moment was just a temporal obstacle that I needed to just go through. And then hopefully I'll be able to come to the U.S. and then enjoy the remaining part of the journey. So for me, I was just thinking of the end for for, for the most part, thinking about the finish line and then just looking at this particular moment as just an aberration. I needed to just go through and then skill and then get to the end of the of the journey, basically. Gotcha. Now we're bringing Sophia. Thanks for being here. I just wanted to kind of start off with just kind of how's your experience been so far? What was it like, you know, your process getting to the country and embarking on your MBA journey? Yeah, sure. So it's been a very intense and happy experience. I mean, I I didn't expect anything less than what I'm living this, this past over a little bit over more than a month. I'm actually also a late arrival. So I did my opening term virtually with other fellows that didn't also get in on the beginning of the of the course. Uh, so I had a little bit of the hybrid experience in the beginning. <laughs> so I'm just very, very grateful to be in person. I cannot help with the F1 and J1 doubts because I had a little bit of a shortcut on this part. My brother did an MBA like two years ago. So many of this research part, he was like, yeah, apply for the F1. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so I cannot help with that part. But no, I'm, I'm happy like getting to know so many people and the classes are great. The career center is, is great. It's 
lots of work and very good. <laughs> That's an understatement. What prohibited you from getting here in person on time? Yeah, I just had to wait many days to get a visa appointment. I was living in Colombia before, so the embassy was not closed. But yeah, I just had to wait many, many days for my visa appointment. <laughs> gotcha. I want to throw this next question out to all you guys. I'm fascinated by the mindset it takes for international students to come to the States. To me, it's like a leap of faith. Like you come here to study, you get that experience for two years, you get an internship here in the States with a company that will hopefully sponsor you guys. And then after the second year, nothing is really guaranteed the way I see it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I just want to understand like what's the thought process like and what is so appealing about coming here to the States to study for something on the back end that isn't guaranteed that you get to stay here. Sam, if you want to take that first. Sure. So for me personally, I used to live abroad. I didn't always live in London. At the start of my career, I, I lived and worked in Rome for about a year. And that was 2014 to 2015. And then I came back to London and I worked in London for about five years, but I was getting a little bit too, I, I just kind of felt like I was just just kind of treading water like my my career i really enjoyed my career i loved my job but i kind of was getting kind of itchy feet it, it had always been in my plan to move abroad again i just really wanted to get out and live in, in another country and that desire combined with the desire to do an mba which i'd kind of been sitting on for like th three years or so by the time i applied I, I kind of really wanted the commercial experience to apply to an MBA. And I wanted the context to kind of put those that, that commercial experience into an MBA context. And, and, and also, you know, a kind of fascination and interest in the US. I'd always I visited and lots of times before, and I'd always had a really fun time. And, you know, the idea of maybe living in New York or DC or California was, was always something that appealed to me. So all of these kind of thoughts and uh, tracks kind of converged on this decision finally in the midst of a pandemic, <laughs> actually not in the midst of a pandemic, kind of six months before a pandemic to quit my job and fully apply um, for an MBA. And then the pandemic hit and then that opened a whole new can of worms. But for me, to answer your original question, it was more just to just to try something new and, um, you know, be in a situation where uncertainty is something that I kind of thrive in. It's something I feel like I'm a lot more energized when I feel a bit more in control and and kind of forge my own my own path and it's not kind of planned too much for me so yeah that was that's kind of my sentiment going into it yeah chooks or sophie if you want to chime in yeah i can jump in so for me last year during the quarantine i did some serious reflection on my personal and my professional life and i decided that the mba was the best next step i also had like a growing track, professional track, it, everything was fine. I enjoyed my job. I really enjoyed the company I was working at, but I felt the need to accelerate things and also to recorrect course. So I've been working in retail and physical stores for many years. And during the quarantine, I was like, okay, I need to learn and work on, on e-commerce if I want to, to continue growing in this industry, right? So yeah, just the MBA just felt, I mean, I come from a business background, so I always knew that the MBA was a possibility, but then when I had like personal close examples of people doing that, as I mentioned, my brother, 
and I saw his experience and how much he developed and how interesting it was and how the U.S. job market is prepared to receive MBAs. I'm like, yeah, that's the the best next step I, I can have. So it was actually a, a quick decision. It was intense thinking, but once I, I realized this was possible, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> gotcha. That makes sense. Shooks, how about you? Yeah, for me, it's it was it was long coming. So like I had worked a couple of years in Nigeria and I knew that at some point I wanted to do an MBA in the U.S. Why? Because I, I have my immediate um, brother schooled in the U.S. And he always talked talk to me about how the U.S. experience was very good for him. So for me, it was about when, when would I you know pursue the MBA. And uh, throughout my career, I had, I think I had gotten to a point where I felt like it was now or never. I needed to do the MBA now because if I delayed further, I would not be able to do it again. So that was why I decided to pursue the MBA. And about the time my sister just finished from um, Sloan, um, MIT Sloan. So like it was just, she had good things to say about schooling in, the, schooling in the U.S. So it just made me feel like this was the right moment to pursue the MBA. And that was why I decided to you know, take the leap of faith. Gotcha. That's cool. So two of you had some familial relationships that had positive experiences and Sam sounds like you thrive on you know ambiguity and uncertainty and just new situations so those are fascinating insights yeah what's the end goal for all you guys like is it to stay in the states or you want to stay in the states for a time and then go home like what's the two to five year time horizon look like for you in a perfect world after you leave Georgetown for me that sort of two to five year or, you know, whatever, you know, future plan has come a lot, come a lot clearer. I finally got an offer full time for after graduation, which is good. Nice. Um, looks like they, they kind of offered me, you know, a lot of choice in terms of geographical location, but I'm kind of gravitating towards New York right now. Ideally, I would have liked to have been in Miami, but there's no office there. So I think, you know, I'll settle for New York. Um, and I think a lot of the class are going to be heading there afterwards as well. So that's going to be kind of fun. The NBA never ends, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think New York uh, for a couple of years. As I said, I quite like to go down to Miami. My partner's family are all down there, and it's it's a really fun place. If it doesn't get swept away by a tornado soon, but uh, <laughs> uh, and then I think I would eventually like to go back to London. You know, maybe you know if it's not too crude, make the money here, then go back to Europe and enjoy the healthcare and <laughs> safety net, and. Uh, have them look after me in my old age. That's that's kind of the tentative plan for right now. Nice. In two to five years, I, I want to w- work in the US for a bit. I want to get some foreign experience. For me, that's that was that's the initial purpose of me coming to do the MBA. I wanted to get that foreign perspective to to work. And then after that time frame, I think I would um, want to return to to Nigeria to you know kind of take the learnings I have been able to get from the US to help. Um, better the work culture of my country. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with what Chuck just mentioned. I also have like the same, the same purpose. But right now for at least for the three years that we have the, the extension of the visa because of the STEM MBA, my plan is to stay in and work in the U.S., not just to learn, but also to have a financial return on the investment we're making right so it's we cannot 
not mention that it's obviously better to to pay the investment in the same currency that we that we are investing right so yeah, yeah that's that's the plan i was going to ask are both of you guys um doing applying for stem opt doing the stem designated mba yeah yeah it's a sure. it's a real it's a real godsend so mike i don't know if you're aware but international students get 12 months of opt which is called optional tra uh, training period um and that's essentially how long you're allowed to authorize to work in the us but a stem designation gives 24 months on top of that so really you're covered for about three years after you graduate and ah. yeah, that was a that was a real for me when i was thinking about my my life uh, especially before i got my offer <laughs> post mba gotcha so it's not necessarily dependent on your employer if you pursue that stem degree those extra 24 months are automatically baked in regardless of who you work for exactly yeah it gives you more breathing room for kind of post graduation if you haven't got your offer immediately it gives you a bit longer to you know, think about that apply for it yeah a, a stem mba is valued higher it seems in the eyes of the federal government than interesting yeah cool and sophia was that what you were just mentioning you said something about the visa being good for like three years or something exactly. like that okay yes. so you were so that was in reference to the stem exactly exactly uh when i chose the schools i were i was applying that was a, a major criteria if they had the stem not all mba schools offer a stem degree exactly not all gotcha and MS msb was uh i think it's quite recent i think it was maybe two years ago um they got they got the designation so yeah so that's got to be a huge consideration for you guys, right? Well, funny thing for me is when I applied, there was no STEM designation yet. So like, I, I, I mean, this, this, this happened just, I think last year or so. So I think I was, I was just lucky to, 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 to get this. Like United States has its appeal, right? Just in general. But why is coming to study in the United States such a big appeal when compared to other MBA programs around the world? I, I had always worked for US tech companies in the UK and wanting to pivot my career out of sales and into something a bit more strategic maybe operations or business development uh it made sense i wanted to remain in the tech sector and it made sense to you know go to the home of these tech companies and get my mba you know in the us yeah that, that was that was really the rationale for me to just that stay with sense. this sector yeah 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 i think it's the same reason for me as well um the us has lots of opportunities for one to broaden one's horizon across industries. And for me, coming to the MBA, I actually wanted to accelerate my career. That is, I had worked in FinTech in Nigeria, but I wanted to do like tech or big tech to experience that industry. And, 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 and such, that was why I decided to come to the US, which is like the home of tech to learn and build my career. Yeah, for me, it's, it also makes sense professionally in the industry. I work in retail. How can I not seriously consider the US, right? So I was actually in a really good position a few months ago of, of having to choose between coming to Georgetown and a great Euro European school. And I think it's important to take in consideration which one will give you the better professional perspective and also take in consideration like personal values and what's important for each one of us, right? I think there's no right answer. 
but for me uh, professionally it made sense come coming to the us and personally also because now my family only have one international flight and they can my parents okay. can visit both kids right <laughs> right nice that makes sense chooks i want to now dive into your experience over the summer at google how did that go for you did you get a return offer or are you re-recruiting this year yeah, uh, I haven't heard back yet, so I'm still going to recruit this fall. But yeah, for the experience, it was it was really good. I, I really enjoyed learning about big tech. I was in the Android team and having to learn about the Android ecosystem, learn about how we formulate strategies on how to, you know, attract users to, you know, adopt solutions and also how to attract partners also who leverage the platform to, you know, grow their businesses. So for me, it was just so much learning. I mean, I, I hadn't experienced big tech before, but then having to learn on the job with projects that I worked on was quite fascinating for me. Were you remote or in person? Yeah, I was remote the whole time. Nice. And that's typical, right? Like what, do you know when you'll hear about a return offer? Have they given you any indication? Well, so um, I wasn't given any, any indication, but then um, the recruiter had told me at the time that probably early October. Or, I mean, that would be the latest time to hear on the decision. So Okay, cool. And now what's what's re-recruiting look like for you? What are you targeting? And is that like daunting to you after going through it last year? Uh, well, so re recruiting for me, I'm thinking, you know, tech companies are probably consulting to, I mean, just to see what that brings. But then I think in, in terms of the challenge of recruiting, um, yeah, it's kind of, you know, going back to the casing, going back to um, behavioral prep is quite challenging though. But I, but I feel now that I have done this before, I think I, I know how to navigate um, such. Um, doing um, TMUIs is not that new to me. So um, yeah, right. I think it's 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 good so far. The worst four letters ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me about yourself, the dreaded TMAY. Like, I understand the point. Like, you've done it once. You can do it again, so it should be easier. But I don't know. I kind of look at it a different way. Like, I put so much time and energy and effort into it last year that I don't think I want to <laughs> do that again. I guess, yeah, two different ways to look at it. So what's been the biggest adjustment for you coming into this second year? For me, it's, it's the in-person interactions. Like, so, like, prior to second year, we're all on Zoom, so I could, you know, if I had a class for 8 a.m., I could probably go to the gym and then return like 10 minutes to the time and just turn on my camera and Zoom and just, you know, join the class. But I can't do that. I have to like live my apartment like at least one hour before so that I could be on campus before class and, you know, and then walk to campus. So like it's a bit of an adjustment that I've had to make. But um, it's a good thing because I get to meet people. I get to discuss about how people feel about the, the program and, and, you know, the whole experience, which I couldn't do when I was remote. So, yeah, it's, it's been good so far. Cool. And Sophia, as, as a first year, uh, what's your recruiting plan look like? I have a plan. I have a real, a really structured uh, recruiting plan. And I think that uh, for first years, I think this truly begins even before the MBA itself, at least for me, it did. As I mentioned, I, during quarantine, I did some really serious reflection of what I wanted for my career. And I think that helps a lot. You Obviously, you can change your mind, right? And there's a lot of people that embrace the opportunity of the MBA to, to just figure out. 
better. But for me, what worked better is arriving with a structured plan. And yeah, I, I'm following to that plan. I'm using many of the resources available in the career center, talking a lot to, to the peer advisors. And I've just landed my first applications this past week. So Let's see how it goes. What are you <laughs> recruiting long, for? I have a long list. I'm recruiting for tech companies and also for some CPG companies and obviously for retail companies. But yeah, my focus is on e-commerce. So do you want to stay in retail long term after the MBA or do something different? Yes. No, I, I wish I can stay in, the, in retail. I just had a thought. So one of my... One of the certificates that I'm taking through these two years, one of three certificates you can take, I'm doing the certificate in non-market strategy, which is super interesting. It's essentially learning all about lobbying. They'll call it non-market strategy. You have electives that kind of fall into, you know, cr credit for that, for that certificate. But, but what you also have is classes where you'll have lobbyists come in and speak to you for an hour and 20 minutes about their experience and, you know, their view on non-market strategy in their particular sector. And uh, last week, we had the head of the trade group, uh, the National Retail Federation. Uh, so, Sophia, I can definitely put you in touch with Professor Mayo, who invited this guy on. I think he would be a good contact. And it, he specifically, and most importantly, is a Georgetown alumni. So even more reason that he would help out anyone looking to move into that space. So, you know. One of the great things about an MBA is you can leverage not only people in your own year for contacts, but people in the year above. Leverage us, definitely leverage us. I know I talk to loads of second years during my recruitment period, but also talk to these guys who come in and you know have obviously been wildly successful. So yeah, that's that's my two cents on that. Thank you. Yeah, what, what was that class called? The class itself is called Washington Business in the World. It's essentially the kind of the main tent pole in the certificate for non-market strategy. Um, so you, Chooks, you are you doing the? Is, yeah, I think yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. you are. So, you know, Chooks can can talk to this as well. But Washington Business in the World is the main class, and then around that you can kind of apply for electives whose credits count towards you achieving that that certificate. So one of the uh, classes I'm doing also with Chooks is. Uh, a class called uh, Miracle of the Markets, question mark, because the whole point of the, the elective is interrogating, you know, the supposed infallibility of the of the markets and, you know, all of the classical thinking that goes into it. And, you know, are there market failures? What do those look like? It's, it's super interesting for me. And as someone who, you know, has always had an interest in the US political system and, you know, exactly whether markets are a miracle or not, it's it's really kind of scratching that itch for, you know, why, why I came to the States. But... Chooks, I'd love, I, we, you and I, we've not really <laughs> been able to talk you know, much about it, but I'd love to know how, how you're enjoying it and whether it was, you know, whether that certificate's kind of living up to what you thought it would be. Yes, I'm sure. Like, I mean, for the Merkel Markets class, I really love the debates. Like, I, I love hearing, I mean, because we all get to debate every class, like the midpoint in the class is, is a debate where you're given a topic and then two sides would argue for or against that topic. So um, it's always nice to hear people exchange banter, like hear their point of views on the on the issue. And then for me, I learn a lot because being a Nigerian, I, I don't really know much about the U.S. So when I hear people, you know, talk about these issues that are largely U.S. specific, I get to learn more about the country. And that was, and, in, and by extension, also the um, Washington business and the world. Also, I 
by being in that being in those classes, I get to learn more about the US political system, how lobbying works in the US. And for me it's been good so far. That's a huge strategic advantage, I think, for Georgetown. Like there isn't another school, I think, that can offer that sort of access and that line of education just by nature of being in DC and being close to that lobbying industry that is so prevalent here in the States. I think that's really neat. Um, I didn't really understand what that whole non-market strategy certificate was about, but Sam, I think you really just helped make it pretty clear. So that's super interesting. And then I have a design thinking class where we're working with the Norwegian consulate on a project, which is another example of something that like, you just wouldn't get it. Like, you know, whatever these other kind of top schools are. So I think it's just super cool to be here at the heart of business and politics. No, it's fantastic. It's really more than any other element of the MBA. And I've loved it. I'm not just saying that I really have enjoyed it as I go into my second year. These classes and the exposure that you get to these kind of guys who work on Congress or, 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 or work uh, or who came from Congress and went into lobbying firms. It's like, it's super eye-opening. You're like, you're really there in the room where it happens with them. So it's cool. So yeah, my advice to Sophia is, I don't know, Sophia, you're probably so busy, you know, trying to get to grips with stats and accounting and finance. I know I definitely was, but definitely make a bit of time to research these certificates. Mike, I can't, I, I don't know if you can remember the names of the other ones, but there's one, it's non-market strategy. I'm in uh, consumer analytics. Yeah. Um, and then there's a third one, which I can't recall. Sustainability, is it? Yeah. So yeah, have a have a look at those, Sophia. They're not too much of an extra lift, but they're very they're they're very worth it. It gives you kind of a focus as you move into your second year. It's not super constrictive, but I think it does a nice job of just kind of specializing your studies a little bit. Yeah, I would definitely have a check. Have a look on that. Thank you for the for the tip. Yeah. One thing I'm I'm curious about is as international students coming here to the states like have you guys been here i know sam you said you'd been to the states a little bit but like what's been the biggest adjustment or biggest standout for you culturally getting to spend some time here in the states compared to where you're from yeah i mean before the session i was just speaking to sophia about i mean this question about my experience so far and for me my biggest adjustment was the the weather. So when I got to the US, it was January and it was really cold. So when I got to the airport, like I, I didn't wear something very thick. So when I got out, I had to leave my luggage and run back in because I was super, I was freezing the whole time. <laughs> so so uh, that was a major shock for me and having to adjust to to and the weather was 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 one. Then also the culture. So like I, I feel like like in Nigeria. So, for example, when we go to the bar, we don't we don't really have games to drink. We just you know just drink and that's it. But in the US, like there's so many games activities you do with drinking. You could do the when you toss the cup up and you know like so many things. So for me, that was all. <laughs> Look up. Exactly. So for me, that that was all new to me. You know. So, um, yeah, it's been fun so far. I mean, I've been enjoying um, adjusting to, to to the US. I bet you didn't have a jacket, right? Before no. you came here, right? Yeah. No. That's wild. Yeah, so I had to, I mean, get a jacket, had to get gloves, I had to get thick clothing and, you know, yeah, it was, it was all different. Yeah, I really enjoy the, the culture and, you know, I'm still adjusting to it on a daily basis. And the first thing you're going to introduce your friends back home to is Flip Cup. Absolutely. <laughs>
Yeah. Nice. How about for the rest of you? So I, I've lived in the U.S. for a few months when I was 15 and I, I came visit uh, sometimes after that. So I kind of knew what to, what to expect. And I also feel that Brazilian culture is kind of close to the, we are aware of American culture, right? So kind of knew what to expect. Uh, for me, it has been very interesting to learn how to network on a structured way. So I feel like in Latin America, we obviously network, but it's, it's just something more um, casual. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's been very interesting, like to to learn how to put, uh, yeah, like a, a frame on it, and to understand what are the the expectations of of Americans when it when it uh, comes to to this topic. So it's quite a cultural difference. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate to both Chuck's and Sophia's comments. Certainly. In terms of, I like what you said about like a standardized framework on networking. That's not a, that's not very European at all. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot more casual. Certainly in London as well. I, I know that. Yeah, just the corporate culture and the work culture here is very different. Of course, I knew it was going to be, but I think you know, for me, working in sales on a Thursday or a Friday, I would be told off if I if I was at my desk. Um, <laughs> I was expected to kind of be out for lunch. I don't think that would fly maybe quite as well here. And certainly in terms of the drinking culture, I think I fit in quite well because I think UK drinking culture matches NBA drinking culture quite well. <laughs> so, and, you know, we have, we do have some games. There's a lot more singing in pubs, um, I, I feel, <laughs> maybe in the UK. But yeah, I've definitely enjoyed, I think I knew, I knew like beer pong and I sort of knew about flip cup, but I think I'm now definitely a past master at, at some of those games. <laughs> I think Chucks, Chucks and I, I think have definitely played against <laughs> a couple of times by now. I don't think I'd ever be able to get used to the UK culture of the pubs closing at like 1130 midnight. And then you have to go to the clubs to continue the party, right? That part I did not like about London. Thing is, what you do is you get to know your local pub well enough that you get invited to the lock-in. So you stay till 3 a.m. But just with your uh, mate. Yeah, see. Okay. Yeah. Where are you from in Brazil, Sofia? I'm from Mato Grosso, which is uh, a very agricultural region in the middle of Brazil. But I've moved to Sao Paulo when I was 15. Like, kind of moved a lot in my life. So, yeah, I, I Sao Paulo is, is probably the city where I lived the most nice. years of my life. So, yeah. Kind of. I've been to Brazil. I, I I loved it. It was so fun. Yeah. Where yeah. have you been to? Uh, well, we traveled all through South America, but uh, in Brazil, we were in Rio, São Paulo, and Fausto de Iguaçu. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been. Can you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> it was like uh, Niagara Falls on steroids. If you've ever <laughs> heard of or been to Niagara Falls, it was absolutely wild. I guess the last question I would have is is just any Chooks and Sophie, do you guys and Sam, do you guys have any advice if anyone's listening to this as an international student? I know Sophia, you said you uh, got connected to the podcast in your journey and trying to find an MBA school. So any advice you have for international students, prospective students that 
you know, would be thinking about coming to the States or coming to Georgetown? Yeah, I, I think for me, the, my biggest advice to anyone thinking of coming to the States or Georgetown is that, I mean, your, your fears are valid. It's, it's, it's okay to have those uncertainties or those things that you're scared of. But then beyond that, I think it's it helps to have community, people in the program who would help you because you can't afford to do life alone in a new country. You need people who would help you adjust, who would guide you along the path of being a new immigrant in, in a country. So like having people around you helps in navigating your journey in, in the US or at Georgetown. Yeah, I totally echo that. It's not an individual journey, right? So it's very important to have family and friends support back home, but it's also important to have support here, learning about the, the new culture, of course, but also have this point of contact with people of your own, your same culture. So I know I have two Brazilian colleagues on my ear, we're not in, in the same cohort, but it's like a safety net actually, like having, having people that understand understand where you come from and understand your jokes, right? So, uh, I, I would echo both of you guys. <clears throat> I think for our year, especially having done the whole first year virtually, there was definitely a very strong sense of community built between us, uh, certainly us, those of us who are in DC uh, and kind of, yeah, go, going through that, you know, with those guys and m making those friendships was really great. And it tided me over until last week because none of my family could come and visit me. Uh, until last week, they finally allowed people from Europe to come and uh, visit the US. So, yeah, that's, that's an exciting development for me. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, support and having people in your corner is, is huge in any kind of endeavor you undertake in life. So, makes total sense. Sophia, Chooks, on behalf of Sam, just want to thank you guys for taking the time to come out and, and just share your perspective on the international MBA student journey. Really appreciate, you know, the perspective you shared. So thanks again, and we will catch you here next time on McDonald Talks. See you guys later. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.